this morning, let's, well, I'm going to go into God's Word. Romans chapter 2 is where I'm going to today. The title of my message is From Relying on Self to Relying on God Alone. As we look at this series of transformation, we want to go from relying on self to relying on God alone. And as we look at these verses, Paul is again continuing to help these Roman believers to show them where they're missing it. They were missing it. They were missing something. And so Paul's tone here is not a happy tone. He's not happy with the way that they're functioning. So he's, he's, got, a, a, he's got that disciplinary tone in him as we start in verse 17 of Romans chapter 2. Paul says, You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know it is right because you've been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the ways of God. You are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Let's pray. Father, as we listen to these words, it's your word. It's you who are speaking to us. God, I pray that we would receive this word. And it is an, it is correction. It is discipline. And Father, may we all open up our hearts to this word that we all need to hear today. Speak to us, Lord. Change us. Transform us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is not happy with the way these Christians are living their life. He is recognizing that the, the path that they are on was a path that he had been on and wasn't a very good path. They had just received salvation. They had just accepted Christ into their life. This gift that God had given to them, this gift that Jesus gave on the cross, Jesus gave his blood. He gave his life for them. So they should be walking around with joy. They should be walking around in humility. They should be walking around with gratitude. Instead, they're walking around in pride. They're walking around in arrogance. They're walking around saying, I know how to fix people now. I've got Jesus. I know what needs to be done. And Paul points it out here. He says, you're convinced that you're a guide. You're convinced that you're going to show people what they need to do. You're convinced that you're going to correct people and that you're going to change people, that you're going to do something that people need in their life. And that's not the spirit that Paul wanted them to have, being convinced of that. You know, and looking at this issue, and we see the comments out there, and as, as we look at this issue of adoption versus abortion, people are, are accusing the church that we don't care. That you're just there pointing your finger and that you're just there not caring for these women. You're not caring for what they're going through. And I want you to know we do care. We absolutely care. And Paul is recognizing that we need a caring spirit, not a, not a spirit that's filled with pride. I'm not interested in winning arguments. I'm not interested in, in telling people what I believe. I'm interested in sharing the love of God with people. And Paul is noticing in their heart and in their life that they have this spirit of pride in them, and it's not going to help others. They were convinced that they were a guide. And here Paul, this mighty man of faith, this man that God was using to you know, see miracles done through his prayers, through the laying of a handkerchief, Paul, when he 
was convinced of. He was convinced he was a slave. Not even a, a servant. I'm not even worthy of that title, servant. I'm convinced I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul taught from a position of humility, not pride. What are you convinced about yourself today? When you come to Jesus Christ, when you come to the cross, what are you convinced about yourself? Are you convinced that you know it all? Are you convinced that you have it all together? Are you convinced that people just need to live the way you're living? Are you convinced that people need to act the way you're acting? What are you convinced in your life about? Paul is recognizing that these people have a wrong conviction. And the reason what was what was taking place here is that you had Gentile, you know, Romans who were Gentile, and, and they were coming to Christ, but you also had Jewish Romans who were also coming to Christ. They were people who had grown up in the Lord. They were people who had grown up knowing the, the Word of God, the law of God. And they were beginning to recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. The Bible talks about Paul spending hours that turned into days, that turned into weeks. And I guarantee you he was sharing with them the, the Word of God and how solid that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, there were over 350 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament, and Jesus fulfilled them all. And I know that Paul would spend that time talking about all of these prophecies, and so these Jewish Romans began to connect the dots. And they began to realize that Jesus was the Messiah. They began to understand that it was prophesied that the Messiah would be from the line of David. And that's exactly what Jesus, he was from the line of David. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You can look at Psalm 22. It covers over 20 prophecies of the Messiah and his death. Details, very specific details of how the Messiah would be crucified on the cross. What the, what the Messiah would be saying from the cross and what the crowd would be saying to him. And it's exactly what took place in the life of Jesus. It talked about soldiers surrounding Jesus and the Roman soldiers surrounding Jesus. It talked about how it prophesied that they would take his clothes and that they would specifically gamble for his clothes. There were eyewitnesses, believers in Christ, that saw that very activity taking place. And of course, it prophesied that his hands would be pierced and his feet would be pierced. That he would, he would call out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all of those things took place in Jesus. And I'm so grateful today that I can use my brain. I can use my brain to find Christ. I'm so grateful that my faith has substance and evidence. And that substance and evidence was turning the hearts of these Jewish Romans to Jesus. But the, here was the problem. It wasn't that their hearts were coming. Their brain, their brain was coming to the Lord. Their brain, they were, they, the, these Romans brought their brain over, but they forgot their hearts. You have to understand this today. Jesus was making a new covenant with them. And that their old covenant wasn't going to mix with this new covenant. And these Jewish Romans, as they were accepting 
that Jesus was the Messiah. They were using their brain to understand, well, yeah, I mean, Jesus did this, and Jesus did that, and Jesus performed that. Okay, he must be the Messiah, and they began to follow him. What they were doing is they were trading one religious system for another religious system. They were trading a a set of rules, and they were trying to bring over those rules to this new covenant that Jesus was offering them. But I can tell you today that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for, for you and I to be a part of a religious system. Jesus died on the cross so that he could create a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Jesus died on the cross so that that clean heart and that new spirit would come in relationship with God Almighty. That is why Jesus died. And that is why he took the crown of thorns on his head and he took the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet so that you and I can have a relationship with him. Not so that we can follow our religious system. Not so that we can go through the motions. Not so that we can sing songs on a wall. But we can encounter a risen Savior, a living God, a Holy Spirit that loves us and cares for us. And I can tell you today that my vision for this church is still the same. It's not cute, and it's not complicated. It is very simple. But my vision for this church is that every believer would be reading their Bible and praying every day of their life. Because when we're reading our Bible and when we're praying, we're having a relationship with God. We're having a relationship with Him. We're receiving the Word of God so that we can have something to say. We're praying to God so that we can have something to say to Him and say, God, our country is at war. God, there is so much anger and anxiety and fear, and there's so much happening. And so prayer gives us an opportunity to express all that we need to express to Him. And when we're reading the Word of God, we're hearing His voice. We're encountering the Word of God, the truth of God, and we're having a relationship with Him. That's why Jesus Christ died. Paul is making an important observation. He told them in verse 17, he says, you guys are relying on God's law. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to rely on the law anymore. The law was good and it was going to bring us to God, but we didn't have to rely on the law anymore. Man is, and here's the problem, man is capable of taking anything good and making it bad. You know, music's a good thing, but there's some people out there that use music to use it for evil purposes. Technology, technology is a very important thing. It helps us greatly. Sometimes people use technology to hurt people. And for these Jewish Romans, they were taking the law of God, which is in essence good, but they were turning it into something that was not good at all. For them, the law brought a reliance on The law brought a reliance on self. When Moses presented the law to the people, it was a very long list of what to do and what not to do. If you do something wrong, this is what you do so that you can be made right with God. This is the offering you bring to God, and this is how you restore relationships. And if your kids aren't listening to you, this is what you do. And it was a long list of what to do and what not to do. 
But because their heart was not searching after God, because their heart was not seeking to love God, these rules develop a self-reliant attitude in their life. I'm going to get this right. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to do what needs to be done. I'm going to I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make this relationship work. I'm going to follow these rules. And it was so easy for them to begin to rely on self and pretend that God was just in a distance, that God wasn't a part of their life, that it was just these rules that they had to follow. It was just these guidelines that they had to implement into their life. And you think it is fairly easy to get to a place where you rely on yourself? I think it's an easy thing to do. I think it's a real easy thing that you and I, we have a human nature, and it's easy for us to rely on ourselves. It's easy for us to say, God, give me those reins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to charge forward. I'm going to do this. God, give me the steering wheel. I know what I need. I know what needs to be done. I know where I want to go. It becomes too easy for us to become self-reliant on ourselves. And I shared this problem with you at, uh, during the Father's Day message that as men, men, we don't like to ask for help. We like to rely on ourselves. We want to fix it ourselves. We want to pull up our boots by our own bootstraps. We want to figure it out. We, we want to press forward with our ideas. And I can tell you today that these Roman believers were beginning to put their trust back into their life. And they were never going to be able to help themselves. They needed God's grace in their lives. And God's grace was going to teach them this important principle. Grace says that I rely totally upon God. I rely totally upon God. This is something that's so easy, so simple, but yet sometimes we don't do it. It's easier for us to rely on ourselves because we're smart, we're intelligent. We've been through life, we've been through the school of hard knocks, we've, we've got degrees, we've, we've created things, we've done things, we know how to fix things, we can rely on ourselves. It becomes a trap for us to depend totally upon ourselves, but grace teaches us that I need to rely totally upon God. I truly believe in the scripture verse in John 15 where it declares that Jesus is the true vine that we are the branches, and that apart from God, I can do nothing. Apart from God, I can do nothing. Who are you depending upon every day of your life? When you wake up in the morning, who are you depending upon? And so here's the test. It's the test of, are you relying on yourself, or are you relying on God? When you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? Your first thought is, what do I need to do today? Or is your first thought is, God, I need your help today. I need to pray today. I need to get into God's Word today. The most important thing that I can do today is listen to God. I'm relying on God. I rely totally upon His Word. I rely totally upon His wisdom. I rely, I know I've, I've, I've got some knowledge and I have some experience, but Lord, today I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to call upon your name. And here's, here's I learned this lesson. I, I remember, um, I don't know if I've shared this story with you before, um, but I remember when I received my first opportunity to be a full-time pastor. I was, uh, prior to that, I was a part-time pastor. I was a Christian school teacher. And uh, 
And then the pastor of that school, who was the, at the church there, he invited me to be on staff full-time with Mr. McKernan. Coming home that day, and, and it was coming home to our apartment, and I said, Tara, this is a great day. And uh, I, in the mail was this pamphlet, and it said, Your Window of Opportunity. And I said, Tara. And this Window of Opportunity was about these townhomes being built far, uh, not too far from us. I said, Tara, this is a message from God. This is God speaking to us. And we literally got in the car, went to these townhomes, and we took money down. I didn't even bother to ask God. I didn't bother to pray for them. I was such in a good mood, and I figured I'd, I'd lived long enough, and I've, I've, I, I, I know what I need to do in my life. I know it's the next step. I didn't even bother to pray. I thank God for His mercy and His grace because God used uh, Tara's parents to help us to say that wasn't the place we needed to move into. We lost that uh, that down payment, but God blessed us with our first home that was a really huge blessing in our life. But I learned an important lesson. It's so easy for us just to get up and make decisions without seeing God. You remember that story about Joshua? They had just conquered Jericho. They had just won a great victory. And the very next story is about a group of, uh, of Gibeonites that, come, that had come to them, and they had said, hey, would you allow us to be your servants? Would you make a treaty with us? We don't want you to come and attack us. We don't want you to come and take our land. And the Bible said that Joshua and his men did not seek God. But they just went ahead and made a covenant with them. And they found out that they were being deceptive. See, Joshua made that mistake. I've made that mistake before. I pray we're not making that mistake, that we're just relying on ourselves. We're relying on our understanding. We're relying on our experiences. I know it needs to be done today. I can skip prayer today. I can skip reading the Bible this week. I've got too much that needs to be done, and I know it needs to be done. No, that pray today that you are totally relying God, that you're convinced today that I need God's help. You're convinced today that I need the grace of God. I need His presence in my life. I need to rely on Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Today, I want you to know that these, in verse 19, Paul, he was continuing to point out that they are falling back to their old ways of relying on the law, of relying on themselves. He says, you're convinced that you can cheat. This is another issue that they have. You're convinced that you can correct other people. Because the law, they said this to themselves, the law gives me the right to do this. I have the right to do this. So they took it a step further. Not only are they relying on themselves, now they know they have the right to teach other people. This is another easy thing that we, we accept in our life. We love to tell people what they need. This is, this is the easiest thing we probably do in our lives is telling people what they need to fix, telling people what they need to change, telling people this is what you need to do, and this is how you should act, and this is how you should talk, and this is how you should function. It's the easiest thing we can do. It's the easiest thing I can do today. It, it, it is. Honestly, God, it's the easiest thing to do is preaching. It's the hardest thing for me to do is living it out. It's living it out. And Paul addresses this issue. He's telling them, you, you're convinced that you are a teacher and you have the right to tell other people what they need to do. 
But we need to make sure that we're not approaching life and we're not approaching people like I've earned the right. I've earned the right. You've been around those people. You've been around individuals. They think they've earned the right to tell you what you need to fix. and They've earned the right to tell you what you need to do. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't like being around those people. I want to be around humble people who are broken by God's mercy and broken by God's grace because grace will give me the humility to teach. Grace gives me the humility to teach. Instead of having an, a prideful attitude, instead of having an attitude of, I'm going to fix you. I'm going to change you. Have a humble spirit that says, I want to come alongside you. And this is the message this world needs to hear from this church and from the church, from God's people. You see, the world thinks we're just wanting to point our finger at them. This world thinks we just want to hold signs and, and get angry with them. This world thinks we're just interested in taking people's rights and taking from people and not even caring about people. This world needs to know that we are humbled by the grace of God. We're humbled that we can come to Jesus Christ. And we're not coming to a place of pride. We're not teaching from a position of pride. But we're teaching from a position of humility. We are broken. We are broken by these women. We're broken by women who are violated. We're broken that men will violate a woman. We're broken by that. We want to come alongside them, and we want to help them. We want to serve them. We're not interested in pointing fingers. We're not interested in just raising up signs. We want to pray for them. We want to help them. We want to serve them. And Paul is, is challenging them that you, you have this attitude about your life. You have this attitude that you're willing to teach everybody, but you're not willing to work in your life. Listen from verse uh, 21 and 24. Paul says this. Well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by keeping it. No wonder the scriptures say that Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. Does this sound like America today? Are people, you know, people out there that, you know, they don't want to serve God. They don't want to read their Bibles. They see the problem. Society, are they ready for the church today? And I'm talking to us, ourselves included. Are they running to us? Why aren't they running to us? Why aren't they looking to the church anymore? Why aren't they looking to us anymore? I think there's an issue that Paul is pointing out here. Why are Gentiles to this day blaspheming the name of God? You and I are his representatives. You and I represent the love of God. You and I represent the peace of God. You and I represent the grace of God. We need to do a better job. We need to do a better job. God, help us. Help us to represent your grace. Help us to represent unity. 
There's one thing I've always wanted in this church, and the one thing I'm going to always pray for in this church is unity. Jesus said, they'll know you by the love you have for each other. That's how this world knows that we're going to be Christ's disciples, that we love each other, that we care for one another, that we want to help one another, that we want to serve one another. And may we continue to love each other. May we continue to stand together and love one another and help one another. They're going to know, they're going to know that we love each other because we're serving one another. And Paul is dealing with their motivations here. Because every one of us can say no to these questions. No, I don't commit adultery. No, I don't steal. Oh, this is easy. I don't do any of those things. I'm, I'm in good shape. Paul is not talking about these things specifically. He's bringing them up to bring up a point. He's talking about their motivation. What is truly motivating you today? What motivates you to read the Bible? What motivated you to be in church today? What motivates you to follow God today? What is your motivation? What motivates you today? I pray that it's the love of God that motivates you. It's your relationship with God that motivates you. It's the truth of God. Your motivation today should not be, I want to win an argument. Your, your motivation should be, I want to help a son. A motivation, and I can tell you, I'm there. I'm right there with you. Because when I look at what we're dealing with in our, in our society, it seems so simple in my mind. Like, don't you see? Don't you understand? Yeah, let's believe in science. Yes, let's talk science. Absolutely. I don't fight science. I embrace it because it brings me closer to God. It opens my mind to who God is and what He has done. It proves God. So I don't. I'm not. And so I'm there many times. You know, you want to argue. You want to. You want to prove a point. You want to correct somebody. But that's not the attitude God wants us to have. That's not my motivation. Motivation is to love people, to serve people, to meet them in their need right where they're at. I remember uh, we had this ministry in Utah, and uh, it was called Standing Together. And it was a group of evangelical ministers because, as you know, in, in Utah, it's predominantly Mormonism. And there were groups of people who would consider themselves Christians who would come to their conferences. And they had, their, they had a thing that they called General Conference twice a year where they heard who they call their prophet, and they would listen to him all around the world and listen to him two times a year. And these groups of people would come from all over uh, America, and they would come to make fun of Mormonism. They would laugh at them. They had their signs, telling them that they were going to hell, telling them how foolish they were to believe these things and those things. One day we got together as a ministry, and, and uh, the news put us on the news because it was run by Mormonism, and, and they, they were so shocked that there was a group of evangelical ministers, and we got up and we apologized to them. There's a way to disagree with people, and it wasn't that way. And we created dialogues with, with, uh, with Mormon groups. We had dialogues with them. We're not interested in proving a point. We just want to prove that Jesus is real, that His love is, is unconditional, that His mercies are new every morning. I don't want to just complain about people. I don't want to just complain with what's happening in our society. I want to love people. I want to do something. I want to serve people. Finally, this morning, in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, Paul says this, For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, 
a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God. You can, you can follow the letter of the law. You can follow every rule in the Bible. You can follow it all and still miss it. It's a personal relationship with Christ. God desires our heart. He wants to transform our life. He wants us to be in a relationship where we totally depend on Him. Where I'm not depending on myself. I'm not depending on myself to figure it out. I know I can go out there right now and I can, I can figure out what I need to do, or what, I, what house I need to purchase. What, I know what I need to do in my business. I know what I need to do at my job. But you know what? I'm going to stop here. I'm going to pray. I'm going to say, God, I know what I need to do, but I want to hear from you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for your help. God, I want you to help me today. You know, Alexandra was seven and a half years old. And when she was, you know, at that walking stage, she walked early. She was one years old. And that one to two to three year uh, stage of life, she never wanted to be happy. She always just wanted to be out of arms, running around, doing her own thing. Now that she's seven and a half years old, you know what she wants? She wants to be happy. She wants me to carry her upstairs, you know, today. You know, she come out of the car. She wants me to carry her from the car to that, uh, to the church. And you know what? I do that. I carry her. I love it because I know the day will come where I won't be able to carry her anymore. And I know the day will come where she just, she's not going to want me to carry her anymore. It's not going to be cool, Dad, for you to carry me. She's going to be too big for me to carry her. So I gladly carry her in my arms anytime she wants me to carry her. And yes, I keep her pregnant. There's a promise to that. Yeah, she needs to lose a lot more pain. Good. She needs exercise. I know she's being a little lazy. She can walk. But there are times where I just take her and I enjoy her. I want to tell you today that you are just like Alexandra. You can walk. You're just fine walking. You are capable of walking. You are capable of growing. You're capable of growing. You are capable of living life without God. You can have a good marriage and never read the Bible. You can have a successful business and, and never pray. You can. You can do all those things. You're capable of doing it. But God just wants you to come to His house. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to say, you know what, God? I know exactly what I need to do today. But I'm going to come into your arms today. God, I want you to follow me. I want you to help me. I want you to direct me. And if so, God, if you need to change my mind, change my mind. I know what I need to do, but God, if you want me to do something different, you're my father. I want to do that. I want to be in the arms of God. God wants a loving relationship with you. He doesn't want robots. He wants sons 
Lord, we come to you as your children. Speak to our hearts as we worship you. 